Hello, everyone. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay, okay. I think we need to do a lot better than that. Okay. Uh, uh, good morning to all. Okay. Thank you for the um, affirmation. Uh, today, we celebrate Father's Day. And so the sermon for today is uh, also appropriately themed. I see. So I picked this uh, prodigal father, right? Um, prodigal means reckless, lavish, almost to the extent of, actually it's to the extent of being wasteful. Uh, so that's what prodigal means. Um, so I realized that maybe for the online audience, ah, okay, uh, blessings to you too, and hope that you're joining us wherever you are. Okay, uh, we celebrate Father's Day here and realize that in different parts of the world, Father's Day drift, you know, it's not necessarily on the same week. You know, yeah. So we do it here and hope that you know you also enjoy the sermon, okay? Um, so on behalf of the pastors and all the leaders in church, for all here, spiritual fathers, uh, physical fathers, grandparents, we wish that you no, know, I wish you God's uh, prodigal blessings upon you. Uh, let me say this, it's hard to preach a Father's Day message sometimes because of our diverse family construct. Um, every time uh, one of us uh, comes up here during to talk about marriages, family, mother or father, parenthood, uh, can be sensitive for many because everyone goes through different journeys in life and we hold on to our memories differently. Maybe for some of us here, okay, we, uh, we grew up with uh, a very different, sometimes you know, challenging family backgrounds or sometimes it's just due to circumstances, things may be different. Uh, but nonetheless, let me say this, this is a topic not to be avoided because I believe God has a lot to say about fatherhood and how He reveals Himself as a father to all of us here. So today's message is not just for fathers, but applies to everyone. So I ask that you keep your mind open, okay? So as we learn God's truth, may the Lord be with you. Yes, and also with me. Okay, so uh, we'll be looking at a famous passage today, Luke 15, parable of the lost son. Um, and there's a lot to read, so I'll cover the passage accordingly as we uh, go through the sermon. But will you join me in prayer? Come, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, your word guide our hearts. So Lord, humble all our hearts here today, even as I speak, and may the words of my mouth be clear and the meditations of all hearts here be pleasing to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this passage is famous. This passage is famously controversial as well. Now because for the first 300 years, for the first 300 years, uh, beginning from Jesus' ministry, okay, Christianity was known as the way or in fact, actually, it was more like a cult. Okay, uh, and the Roman Empire saw the Roman Empire actually saw how followers of Jesus departing from traditional uh, Jews, how traditional Jews understand God. It was so radically different during that time because they they didn't so much so that they didn't even even recognize it as a religion. It was so unlike the Jewish faith of that day. You see, the faith, so the, the, Jesus taught about things like children having to leave the parents to cleave, uh, and form a new family. He also taught about husband loving wives and wives submitting to husband when marriage was 
a social construct about status, not so much about love. So likewise, okay, here, when Jesus was sharing this parable, let me say this, okay, he's actually sharing about a story, parables is a story of Jesus, to illustrate how the kingdom of God works, to describe the characteristics of the relationships at play. Now this whole parable is like a musical, right? It's, a, it's like a, uh, a play, right? A two-part play. There's act one and act two, okay? How a father deals with two different characters and it means so much to him. But we must never forget, right, how it all started. And the way this story started was because of this accusation. And this is how it started. And let me read for all of us here. And this is from Luke 15. It says here, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and they were saying, this, this, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now these are powerful accusations, no? very, very strong words. You can see, this is how it started. The tax collectors, sinners were coming, Pharisees and scribes, grumbling, this person, this fellow, this Jesus of yours, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now these are the audiences during that time. Now who are they? Let me describe to you. Okay. Uh, so who are the tax collectors? Who are the sinners? Okay. The tax collectors were actually Jews, Jews in those days, right? That collect tax on behalf of the Roman governors, okay? Our Roman government. And these were Jews. Now because, okay, they collect tax, right? They often over collect, right? They are the sandwich people. Um, and the Jewish people traditionally, especially the religious Jesus, cast them out and consider them as traitors, okay? <laughs> because they quite oppressive. Um, somewhat, sometimes, they are, so they are working for the government, lah. so you can call them, during that time, civil servants, lah, okay? <laughs> that time, okay, right? <laughs> that time, that time, qualify, okay, oh, okay, I may not walk it out alive, right? Yeah. So second, okay, second carrier, sinners, <laughs> Oh, you laugh. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, sinners, right? And these sinners uh, were actually Jews, okay? They they called the first called them Jews, and of course non-Jews. But the whole idea is that they are rejected by the religious, uh, uh, religious sects, right? S e c t s, right? They are rejected. So because they are sinners, they are not. They they are, they are cast out and cast away. A third category, of course, Pharisees and scribes are the religious leaders, and Jesus himself is the teacher and rabbi. Okay, a uh, quick pointer for you. Who do you identify with? Just think about it, okay? Uh, do you consider yourself a tax collector, <laughs> sinner, Pharisees, or Jesus, right? Now, you, you, you have to understand that the, the pious and exclusive nature of the Jews, okay, they were very, very strong, uh, and and the religious leaders were actually, and the Jewish community, okay, they expect people who do not behave in a certain way, okay, to be cast out, and that's how it is. It's very exclusive. If you don't conform to how the 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 construct of the Jewish order, the expulsion and condemnation were the right response. And being a religious leader, like, you know, the teacher or rabbi, you're expected to uphold that standard. 
So Jesus here, being known as a rabbi, okay, he's a religious leader. And he's accused of breaking this very standard, you know, okay? So these accusations are very strong. You eat with sinner and tax collector. And these were Jews to begin with. Their very own people. Okay, so that is the context of how the accusation come about. So Jesus, in response, started to share three stories, right? The parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. We will focus on the last one and, uh, and also look at the, the, all three characters at play. Hopefully God will speak to our hearts along the way. Okay, and involves three characters. And let me read the first part of this, par- uh, this, this, this parable. Let's start with the first two characters, and this is Act 1, okay, of uh, this third parable. And let's do it together, okay, so I'll ask that. So who are you? So Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And obviously these are the sons, and the son uh, is directly, we the, the word used is, this is uh, the son, the kind of son that will have inheritance from the man. Okay, so there's a tight relationship, entitled inheritance. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the wealth that will belong to me. Okay, I'm going to pause here. Okay, so this request might seem very innocent to you, but let me say this. Okay, uh, if you don't understand what the Jewish nature, uh, how the background context of this, those who heard it then, they will be astounded, you know, they would recognize the gravity or uh, seriousness of this because, you see, wealth in those days wasn't measured in like bank account where you can just give the inheritance. No. Wealth was measured in land and estate. Okay? In order to fulfill this request, the father literally had to split the estate and sell it off. Everyone would know about it. Everyone, you have to announce, you have to, it's not an overnight thing, like one sentence. It takes time, and in order to fulfill this request, the whole entire uh, known town village would know about it. The family reputation, especially the father, would be disgraced. Everyone would also hate this divisive son. It would have known that you know, this estate split is caused by this person. And if the split does happen, let me say this, no one would want to have anything to do with this son anymore. That was how severe this request is. And second thing is also you have to note, inheritance was only given after the father dies. Usually, Okay, uh, the eldest son get to pick first, and that will be two third, and then yeah, uh, one third for the younger son. If in two case for two, right? So to do this before the father dies is as good as wishing the father dead. It's breaking the family ties, treating this family, disregarding the father, and saying, "Father, I wish you dead. Give me my share." of the estate now. I'm going to ask you this question, okay? Today, since my sermons are usually interactive, if you are the father, okay, I want you to go to Slido right now, okay, and turn on, scan this QR code. Tell me, if you are the father, what would you do? 
Okay, if you uh, were a father to this child of this, uh, father to a, a, such a child, what would you have done? Okay, and I'm going to just open this poll and let's see your responses. Now, if you're joining us live, okay, you can participate. But if you're watching us later, obviously the poll will not have worked. But let's see how you respond, okay? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and it's quite interesting. Responses are coming in. Whoa. So harsh, uh. okay? <laughs> let's see, come. So if you were the father of such a child, and really, really, let's say the child's come, uh, your, your kid turns out like that, right? Just help me understand. What would you do? Would you fulfill the request? What would you do? Okay, and I'm just going to show the responses here. The largest word disowned. <laughs> okay, don't care. Okay, smack. Okay, this say no. Okay, uh, ask the child for his. Wait, let me see. Enlighten. Hmm. Okay. Speak. Laugh it off. Sure. Okay. Uh, make him the lowest worker. Right. Give a portion. Think about it. Uh, okay, can. Um, how? Smack him. Slap him. Slap him. Slap him. What is... Smack and disown. Okay. Yeah. Punish the child by excluding him for any inheritance. Oh. Okay. Sleep over it. Siao Okay. Okay. No. Okay, I can see your responses, okay? Uh, very kind, very kind. Now, uh, let, let me go over the slides, okay? Now, uh, thank you for being so participative. Uh, there'll be more polls later coming, okay? So, you see, um, it'd be proper, proper for, in Jewish customs, to give the son a good beating for even having the audacity to do this. But in the story, Jesus said this, he divided his assets between them. He divided his assets between them. And so it could mean that the son's heart was so wayward that the relationship of the father and the child is so estranged, okay, uh, this might be the only option. If I don't give you, you'll probably destroy the entire family, okay? Anyway, let's continue. And it says that a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had uh, and traveled to a distant region, and there he squandered his wealth and de- in dissolute living. Some translation puts there as um, really lawless, um, wild parties and orgies kind of living. Okay? Um, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the region, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself, some versions prostituted himself, okay, out to one of the citizens of that region who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's high hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. So I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, and this is the thing that he has practiced and rehearsed, Father, I have sinned against heaven and for you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so... He set off and went to his father. Now, let me give you a little bit more context what Jesus was trying to share in this story. You see, the inheritance was wasted away. And it's almost trying to say that it's very fast, you know. The whole, uh, your 
whatever money you have got, partying while orgies were spent, the son would have squandered everything on this wayward lifestyle. Also, Jesus was saying, now sending a Jew to tend the pigs, okay, would be the ultimate defilement for a Jew, actually. So not only here, the severity was not only did he touch the pigs, he ate their food. Okay? So, what the son had done is basically everyone knew this was an outcast, and not just that. Trying to tell you it was most severe. The son destroyed the family, would have gone out while uh, the family was trying to repair whatever that they have left because of the estate split and whatever, would have gone around after such a wayward spending, defilement, and the family trying to rebuild their lives back. No reputable family would ever want such a child back or have anything to do with him. What would you do if one of these, if the child comes back to you? We won't have time to do Slido. I'm interested to see what you say. But in any case, okay, this is what Jesus says of the father. So while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Um, in some versions, okay, it's not just ran, it's lifted up his garment and ran towards him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. This is the rehearsed message. I've sinned against you before, uh, sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy because of your son. But before he could finish, the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the robe, the best one, and put on him, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. Now, hear a little bit more about the context of what Jesus is trying to say. Now, see, inside, the father running, okay, in some translation, pulling up his garments, okay, you can see, pulling up his garments. I don't know whether you can imagine, no, this is like, um, this is not pants. This is those wedding gowns, like, kind of thing, right? Imagine if you get where, you've seen wedding. Can the bride run? Cannot. Very hard. I've done so many weddings, I've never seen a bride run down the aisle, okay? Yeah, walk down can. But for them to do so, the father would like put up the garments and ran, okay? I don't know whether they were there undergarments. Maybe not, maybe. But running, it was actually very, it's like a loss of dignity. And that's what author is trying to put. It was improper for a grown man like the father to do such a thing. Disgrace. Kissing the son, giving him a rope, putting his ring on the sandals represents this forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration of sonship. That was huge, right? And while he may not have any more inheritance, but these are probably the father's rope, the father's ring, the father's sandal from the father's stash, okay? And next thing, okay, the, the, the fettered calf was meant only for special celebration. Now, this, this, this is not your yearly lunar new year reunion suckling pig. This is not. Okay? Not a birthday celebration kind. This is the kind that happens once in a lifetime, like a wedding celebration. The entire village gets invited. Imagine the controversies, the gossips that come around and say, oh, and now the father is throwing this party. Right? And, and 
See, from the prodigally lavish, wasteful son to a prodigally lavish, wasteful father. Sometimes what could he say about them? Such a gossip. Like father, like son. Right? Now, would you say this is a good father? Or unjust father? Okay. But in any case, what's the reason for the celebration? Now, Jesus continued to say this. And he says, the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is not and, and is found. And they began to celebrate. Okay. What's the point here? Jesus is trying to tell us in this story. Let me put that on hold. Because Jesus didn't explain. So let me carry on, okay? So now he goes to act two. Right, we are done with Act One. Jesus explained, didn't explain, and let's go to Act Two. And this is where the parable continues. And now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Okay, and he he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, uh, "Your brother has come, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound." And then he became angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and began to plead with him. And his father, and he answered his father, listen. Okay, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command and you have never, yet you never given me even a young goat to, so that I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come back, who has de- devoured your assets and with, with prostitutes, you killed a feather calf for him. Now, see, according to Jewish audience, this is appalling. Okay? But let me say this. I want to ask you the next question. If you are... Um, the, the father of such a child. Go back to Slido, okay? Now what will you do with this child? Right? Okay? Let's see. Okay? If you are a father of such a child, let such a child answer you this way. This is the elder brother. Now what would you do? The first one was slap him, right, just now. Disown him. What? This one, eh? Let's say, okay? And I'm a kid. Wow. Wow, the response is very different. Interesting. Okay, let me show you, okay? So far. Hug him. Send to Pastor A for counseling. <laughs> Sayang, talk, chill, explain, okay? Kill another calf. <laughs> Take back the calf, okay? <laughs> oh. Maybe I should have explained a little bit more, okay? But it's quite explain, 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 explain. Okay, let me explain first, huh? okay? Then you see how, okay? And then you see whether uh, still can reason and explain or not, okay? Uh, so you see, of course, to the Jewish audience then, now, uh, this would be appalling and I'm because of these two reasons, rebellion to the father. This is the largest party, largest thing, event thrown by the father. Everyone would expect the father and the elder son to be there. Now imagine, this is, this is like the wedding, you know. If your son gets married, right, you don't attend. It's like that, that's serious. You know, that's, that's, that's appalling. It's almost not going to attend your sibling's wedding. 
So much so that the father gonna come out, okay, and plead with you. The entire household would know about this. Again, this is unheard of in Jewish culture. And what's worse? What's worse? The son even talked back in this dishonoring and disrespectful manner, not even uh, addressing the father properly, but said, Look, listen! You don't talk to your parents like that. No? I've done all things right and obedient to you like a slave. And all that now you have is mine. And yet you didn't even consult me for this son of yours coming back. And now he's coming back. Does it mean I've got to give one third of whatever I have back to him again? Okay, if I would ask you the same question, if you're the father, what will you do to the son now, right? Maybe the response will not be hug him and explain, right? <laughs> we slap him and disown him, right? Correct? Yeah. The father will slap him and disown him. That was what is in my notes here. Yesterday I put this poet here. It says, everybody almost, wah, hantam, you know? Okay? He said, yeah. But, let's see what the father says, okay? The father says this, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. The father acknowledged, said, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. And then the story and the parable ends here. No explanation. Nothing. And Jesus and the parable ends next. But yet those who have heard it, they've had reactions then. Okay? Maybe I should just not explain this, right? Just leave it here and let your hearts think about what's going to happen. But because you're not a Jew, so you will not feel it. Those who hear it, some convicted, some enriched. But my point is this. By now, you have known that the three different characters at play. One, Paul, more. Who do you identify with the most? Okay. Who do you identify with most? And let's see. Come together. Okay. Help me switch. And go to your poll. And I'll see. Who do you identify with most? Yesterday in TSS. Okay. You'd be surprised by what you can. Participate. Come. Okay. And I want to know. Anyone identify with the Father? And let me review to you. Interesting, okay? Elder brother, right? It's, inter- it's easy for us sometimes to see that, oh, the younger son. But as you can see, okay, many of us here, you can see that elder brother, why? Okay. I'll pause here. Let me just explain. What was Jesus trying to say? Okay, let me go back to the slides. Thank you so much. This is what Jesus is saying. One, we are all prodigally rebellious children. Now the truth is, we all have characteristics of both sons, both children. We have the the nature to rebel, to be disobedient, to be dishonoring. 
Many of us here can identify with that. The parable of Jesus is actually describing two different ways our human condition comes up, especially when we deal with brokenness. Okay, It comes up this way. The hearts of the two brothers were the same. They both hated the way the father runs the family somehow and wanted to get out of it. They wanted things done their way when the time comes. It just doesn't come when they are young, but when the time comes, they are mature enough or when the, net, the circumstances warrant and they are ready, they will rebel against his authority to get things their way. What's the same for the two sons? It's actually the same for many of us today. Our work, our family, our friends, even our church. Okay. If I can't get my way, I'm out of here. The relationships are not as important as what I want. Search your heart. Is this true? Is this true? I don't care what you want if I don't get what I want. See, in a way, this sermon is also preaching to myself. And sometimes the way I relate to my closest ones, even as I prepare, oh Lord, forgive me, how I often judge those around me, closest to me. I'm often both dishonoring and rebellious in my thought and speech to those who I love, and I need to admit that I'm wrong. Now let me say this, as long as you have a heart of rebelliousness right in you, it's very difficult to see anything done okay, as loving. I can tell you this. There's a story told about, uh, there was, uh, there's a story about G.K. Chesterton. It was told in the London Times in the 1900s, along with noble authors. And a newspaper article reportedly wrote this huge thing, okay, uh, on a frontline news. It says, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton's response in writing then in a brief letter, saying this, dear sir, regarding your article, what's wrong with the world? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Well, I think that he's right. Because he went on to even write a book about it entitled, What's Wrong with the World? And here's a quote that came out from it. It says, when a man really tells the truth, the first truth he tells is that he himself is a liar. I think many of us here, God really has to help us with this, okay? Because we are all prodigally rebellious children. We first have to acknowledge that. We all are. We have tendencies of that. Now, why did Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Um, why did the father painfully divide his estate? Why did Jesus say that? He had to be a just father, right? Why did he forego his dignity and pull out his garments and run to the sun? Now, why did he kill the fat calf? Why did he plead with the son to join the party and even acknowledge, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours, even after the son disregarded him? Why? Because we have a prodigally loving father too. You see, God doesn't see this world from a viewpoint of good moral people versus bad immoral infidels. 
You know, God doesn't see it this way. He doesn't see, let me repeat that, God doesn't see the world from good moral people versus bad immoral infidels or bad crooks. The parable just told you God doesn't see you based on your achievements or the lack of it, or status or the lack of it. No. You see, we are the ones that often see our worth or justice and injustice that way, but not God. He loves you regardless of your prodigally broken, rebellious heart because you are His creation. Every one of you matter. Every one of us matter. Amen? He spared nothing. Let me say this. He gave his status, his inheritance, his dignity. All he has, Jesus, who have represented precious, precious love to the Father. Yet he gave him up to restore the undeserving tax collectors, the sinners, and all of humanity. He values our relationships our and reconciliation and restoration with him more than anything else. You have to remember this. We have both, we are rebellious, but we have a prodigally loving father. And here's the important point. Why the parable hangs there is because we are also invited to respond and embrace this prodigally love, uh, this prodigal love of this prodigal father. If you think that the main stars of this parable are the two sons, let me say that you're wrong. See, we are always seeing ourselves either as the younger son coming to the father or the rebellious child. Let me say this, both rebelliousness and self-righteousness are always in us. But the hero of the story is this, is the loving and forgiving father that values repentance and forgiveness more than anything else. Timothy Keller, one of my heroes, and I'm still grieving about his passing, uh, said this. And then how I met him in a conference, and this is one of the photos that I kept, okay? And there isn't, he's the one on the left, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't worry about mistaken identity. But he says this, there's no evil that the Father's love cannot pardon and cover. There's no sin that is a match for his grace. See, not only are we invited to respond to this invitation, we are also invited to be prodigal in our love to everyone, physical, spiritual families. Because sometimes we are affected by how the lack of the father or a loving family we have, but yet this is how it is supposed to be. Maybe for some of us here, we've not experienced this before, but this it's a story told by Jesus to tell you this is how God's love ought to be. And as fathers or even all of us here, you are a spiritual parent to someone. You are supposed to be like that. This is the way to deal with rebellious, disobedient heart. Always. Okay? And for all of us here, remember this. Always deal with the rebellious heart, the disobedient heart through repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation and restoration. That's how good a father we have. I'm going to close with one more thing. Okay? Maybe some of us here, you're, even as you hear this story, you can already picture yourself in it or someone in it. Your heart may be grieving in many ways, but I want you to do one thing today. 
as a response, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or whatever. I'm going to ask you to go to Slido. And I want you to pen in a prayer. A prayer for yourself. A prayer for fathers or someone. You see, on this side of heaven, maybe some of us are, I mean, all of us are imperfect. We've experienced hurt by fathers or authorities or significant people. And maybe we don't have that perfect family. But let me say this, okay? We are also loved by our Heavenly Father. We know that in this sight, we are plagued also by our wayward nature. But we're called to respond to this love. Today, maybe God is speaking to some of us here. I'm saying if you don't know Jesus yet, this can be the greatest Father's Day gift to our Heavenly Father as you respond to His love. But maybe for some of us here, it might be an invitation to release hurt, to bear grudge uh, against no one anymore, not to let that grudge hold on to you, but to love like how our Heavenly Father has loved us, we who are rebellion, rebellious and dishonoring. Can I ask that you pen a prayer for yourself? And maybe let this time here come, okay? And be a time of respond. Say, Father, forgive me. Thank you for your love for me. Oh, Father, I pray for my family. Help me restore my relationship. And I believe that God is already speaking to some of us here. give you some time to respond then I'll close in a time of prayer it's just between you and God and many of us here say that we are like the elder brother equally stubborn dishonoring maybe some of us here you are grieving because you have pain and heartaches from your children that responded this way. Maybe it's time also. God is speaking to you about forgiving, reconciling, restoring, never to let bitterness come into your heart. And even as you read the prayers coming in, let this prayer encourage you too that you are not alone in your journey. Come, let us pray together and I'll leave the prayer about open. Father God, no words can express adequately the extent of your love for us. And we see ourselves in this story often rebellious and disobedient to your love. And we even project it onto others. Yet you are always so lavish of your love toward us. We thank you that you are always perfect in all your ways. And you are also always perfecting us in our ways. Thank you for your love for us and help us to respond to you. Your love as you call us deeper into this lavish love of yours. Lord, help us in our weakness as you love us because you are our good, good Father. In 
Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen.